Maybe you're starting to notice that things are getting a little harder for your mom to do. Maybe you've started having conversations with coworkers and friends about it. Maybe you've even started to Google senior living and care. And maybe, just maybe, you're scratching your head trying to figure out how to even do that. I'm your host, Valerie Lynn, and I am so incredibly excited for our very special guest today. I'm talking with industry professional and host of the upcoming PBS North special series, Inside Senior Living, Melissa Fritz. Melissa's background working for Brookdale Senior Living, as well as her personal experience navigating senior living for her father who had Alzheimer's, fueled her passion for helping families understand their options and navigate those tough decisions. Her series, Inside Senior Living, follows families on this journey. And in this episode, we discuss why the senior living industry is so complicated and confusing, and we talk about some of the traps that families unknowingly fall into. So grab your favorite drink, and if you're driving, hold on, because in this episode, we're getting real. The big, huge vision is to start changing the way we approach aging and senior housing. You know, whether it's being at home, aging in place, hospice, there's so many different ways that people age. And it depends on our culture, how much money you have. I mean, so there's like a million different factors. But if we don't start talking about it, then nothing's going to change. Welcome to Desperately Seeking Senior Living, a podcast for sons, daughters, grandkids, and spouses who suddenly find themselves tangled in the search for senior living and care. If you liked today's episode, don't forget to subscribe and check out our doable download in today's show notes for a printable summary of the show and a bonus tip from our guest. Hi, Valerie. Hi. How are you? Hi. Hi. Um, first of all, I am so excited to meet you. I love talking with people from our industry, like who have done what I've done. (laughs) Yes. Yes. The behind the scenes. (laughs) And I'm so excited to talk with you because you are just killing it. And you were one of the first people that I saw this desperately seeking. You know, I was like, oh my gosh, she's got a great following. and I love the content and I really understand how it's, it's a journey, right? Yep. Absolutely. Gosh, thank you so much. (laughs) I just love this so much. I love that you have that same passion for educating families. Mm -hmm. Families just really have, they have no idea what to ask, what to be careful of, what they should be looking for. They just don't know. And this is what I love about your project because you are walking families through it. Tell me a little bit about how did you even get started? What what was your inspiration? You know, it really boils down to the, the big, huge vision is to start changing the way we approach aging and senior housing, you know, whether it's being at home, aging in place hospice, you know, just all different. There's so many different ways that people age and it depends on our culture, how much money you have. I mean, there's, so there's like a million different factors, but if we don't start talking about it, then nothing's going to change. And 
newsflash that you and I know, even if every American who's aging, you know, that 10,000 65 year olds are 10,000 people are turning 65 every day. Mm-hmm. Even if all of all of those people could afford and, and found a place and moved into a senior living, guess what? There's not enough staff to take care of those people. So we have to start having these conversations. And not only that, but not all of those people can afford senior living. Over half, over half of the of Americans can't afford it. So right there, we're just we're in a world of hurt and yeah. by denying it, we're not helping ourselves. And so I parallel this conversation to maybe 15 years ago when maybe it was a little more than that, but I think it was around 15 years ago when the subject of depression and mental health became a thing. Like we were like, stop stigmatizing mental health, depression. Employers need to stop discriminating people because they have mental health issues. And it's become a conversation. It's become a normal Mm -hmm. conversation now. Yeah. Well, that took time and it took media and it took celebrity, you know, it took different people stepping out like, yeah, I have depression. Yeah. And people in the, in the healthcare industry, and it took a whole movement to create change. And so I truly believe that all I'm doing, I'm not actually the one making all the change. All of you are in the industry that are actively working in the industry right now. I feel like the universe has just given me this opportunity to be the mouthpiece, to say to the world, like America, we need to wake up. Here's the issue. Here's real people. Like you're not alone. And here's how people do it. Yeah. You know, to support the series we are launching. So our big, our big push from a branding perspective won't be creating our own content, you know, necessarily. We are creating a website because people are going to watch the show. They're going to want to go to the website. This website is, here's all the resources. Here's all the people Melissa knows. Here's all the state resources. It's the latest technology that's very video content forward. I mean, it's a custom design site that will have like running your podcast, right? You know, so people can, and different topics and people can search, but it's going to be the content that we know is is available and and we'll be growing in that way. And so to me, it is so fun to be able to connect with, you know, just so many different people in the industry and uh, associations and the reception we've received so far from the Alzheimer's Association, AARP, I mean, all these big organizations, even at the state level in Minnesota, which is where we'll film season one, huge response. Like we have the top, you know, some of the top gerontologists and people at the University of Minnesota, at the state of Minnesota, the DHS there. I just, I didn't know how how much people would respond and want to be involved in the series. But it tells me the time is right. And mm-hmm. my job is to put together a stage for everybody that's doing this work, everybody that has done research. And, you know, in my opinion, like the experts, you know, we're compiling 
the true experts. And I'm just the person that you're going to want to know to give you the introduction to who you need to know. And so I'm, I'm getting super excited because what's happening is that I am meeting people like you, Valerie, who are, you know, you're in the midst of it, just like I was, and you're doing the hard work and you're reaching families and we need more people to know about it and know about you and what your work you're doing you know and in the process the show is going to be a success as well because there's something about well look at the golden bachelor no matter oh my how gosh, people right. feel about the golden bachelor <laughs> it is so funny when that first came out and the you know kind of the naysayers mm. like oh my gosh who's gonna watch this show <laughs> the most popular bachelor ever and so <laughs> I'm a right huge there, bachelor fan so. right I know and he and he they were just so sweet and uh, anyway so super excited to be a part of this opportunity that this is the first of its kind and I think your show as well like showing families actually going through the process is some of the best education because it just helps families feel normal about something that is not right yeah my listeners they hear me say this a million times. Nobody wants to think about senior living unless they have to. Families just have no idea what they're getting into, that it's a business. Yeah. Most of the time are not even talking to us, mm -hmm. right? Until there's a, a need mm -hmm. and then they really are desperate, right? Yeah. There's so much different information and it, and it really is like Russian roulette. Right. I mean, it, it's like, who do you get a hold of? Yeah. And then you hope, you know, families have to hope that that information is good information. Yeah. How many families have you worked with that made a decision quickly because they had to, and then they're so unhappy? Right. Well, because your choices, when you wait until you're in or near a crisis, which seems to be what most people do, you've now eliminated at least 50% of your choices. Yeah. You know, because you can't possibly research and investigate and know all the options, but you're, you're right. It is yeah. crazy how, you know, even in the age of the internet and social media, I mean, that's how I got this idea. Like I couldn't believe why aren't people Googling? Like we've got Google now, but then I realized well, how do you know what to Google yes. if you don't even know what to Google? Yes, exactly. So, you know, <laughs> we really have a problem because people clearly don't even know yeah. what they don't know. Yeah. And so they end up first call me at an assisted living community, which I'm like, oh gosh, no, no. I mean, that's nice. But, or they, they're getting a place for mom because they think they're getting some kind of state resource or they think they're getting a community and they're getting a technology company. Yeah. And so like you, the passion is so strong with, you know what? This is crazy. This is crazy. Yeah. They're Googling that, that, uh, community that maybe a friend recommended, right. Or yeah. that, that they live really close to. And then here they are, they're on a place for mom's website, not realizing mm -hmm. that by clicking yes, that they've yeah. agreed to have their information shared. And now they're getting 10 phone calls you and I both worked at the community level. And so I was one of those marketers, that tour guide. Yeah, I was the one having to call families who had already gotten eight phone calls. 
And, you know, I don't know how you handled that. My first response was, I am so sorry. Like, like literally (laughs) not, hi, how are you? It was, I am so sorry. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sorry. You're getting another phone call. Let me explain to you because I, I don't, I'm sure that you did this, but I feel like it was, you know, if they weren't just disgusted, I would want to jump in and explain to them what just happened to them. Yep. And ask them, did you intend to call our community directly? Well, yeah, we thought we were calling you and I both have experienced people being very upset. They had no idea. Yeah. I I actually belong to a national organization. It's called the NPRA. Are you familiar with it? Mm -mm. It's the National Placement and Referral Alliance. It's actually the very first, and it might be the only at this point, national accreditation for people that do what we do by helping families with with placement and, and referrals. This organization has a lobbying arm okay. that has been lobbying for years now for exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Because the other thing that we see that families don't realize is that a place for mom also lays claim. And you know what? Yes. Let's just like loop in other because there's more than a place for mom. There are yeah. other online agencies. And, yep. Let's mm-hmm. just call yeah. them online agencies yeah. Yeah. that are laying claim to their name. And so what they're essentially doing is blocking anyone else in the industry from helping them yeah. and being able to get compensated for that. Yes. And this is also something that families don't realize in the case of many of the online services and many of the local companies that they are only being shown options that those companies have contracts with. Mm -hmm. And so earlier when you were talking about, you know, if you wait too late, you're missing out on 50% of the options. Well, technically, if you're working with a company that only works with contracts, then you're, you could be missing out on 75%. Yes. And then also that payment, that payment situation where if a place for mom or another online agency has sort of taken and laid claim to that family, no other place will pay if you involve a local company. They won't pay me because that community has already been given your information from another company. Yeah. It's really terrible. Yeah. It's, it's, and families, how would they know? They just want help. Yeah. That's all they want. Well, even like veterans, here's a good example. Veterans aid and attendance benefits through the VA, right? Yes. Even if you know about this and you Google it, again, what's going to come up is Patriot Angels or these, you know, that they're, that's not the VA. You're not actually going to the direct source. I really want to make that message clear in this season that there are free government veteran resources available to families to start doing the research. Let's talk about that for a minute, because when I first started out in the industry, working in senior living, it was at an independent living building called Hickory Glen in mm-hmm. Springfield, Illinois, a little yeah. shout out there. Yeah. And that was really my first experience with VA aid and attendance. And a company at the time was charging families, I think around $1,000 to go through the paperwork. And so I actually went to our local VA office 
and ask them about it. And we had this really great conversation. And what he said to me was that companies are not allowed to charge. And this was, by the way, years ago. So I don't mm-hmm. know if the rules have changed, but they said companies are not allowed to charge for filling out the VA aid and attendance application or probably any veterans application for that matter. Mm-hmm. And that the v- the local VAs can help. But there was a gap. And I think that that's where these companies came into play. And the gap was that your local VA is super busy. They don't always have the time to sit down and explain everything through the the application. And I think the other gap is that families are often very stressed out when it comes to this time, whether it's getting on Medicaid or, or this VA aid in attendance. And also I should say these companies are marketing themselves more as like financial planners and that's how they're, they're sort of able to help families and get paid. Mm -hmm. But I think there's something to be said for the education, letting a family know that, Hey, if you have the money and you don't want to think about it, then there are companies that you can hire. But if you don't have the money, you can get it done for free through the VA. I think that's the piece that's missing more than anything is that families don't know they have a choice. Right. It's, It's maybe in many aspects of what we're talking about here is the lack of transparency. Yes. It's really important that one, there is transparency and two, that people who don't have the funds to pay for it know that there are free resources. And Mm -hmm. additionally, you know, on top of that, another goal, you know, lofty goal, like of the series of, of mine is why can't we start a movement where you have families who have gone through this or seniors who have gone through those applications and now are looking for something to do. Hey, I could volunteer. I could do this. I could actually be a resource for another senior or another family. You know, there, there's like what, what organization or what mechanism, if there is one out there, I'd love to know like what communities are doing, but yeah, they need a Facebook page, (laughs) right? I know like help, help us. What would be your vision for families helping families? Oh, that's a great question. Well, I think first of all, in order for families to help families, we have to have a better process in place. We have to have some better mechanisms for families who are the pioneers Mm -hmm. going through this so that all of these first families aren't learning things the hard way, right? Yeah. Then we have to have a forum. For families to be able to share this information. And, you know, social media is a great place for that. Your podcast, there's a lot of different ways that that, that could go about. But I think there's just nothing like you've walked a mile in my shoes. There's just nothing like it. Yeah. Kind of like someone who has gone through the cancer journey. They can be such a great sounding board and mouthpiece for what it's like to go through cancer because they've experienced it. And so, you know, I have myself 
going through this process with my parents and having my father have dementia and going from assisted living to memory care. And then he died last March. All of a sudden, your perspective changes just a little bit, you know, and I realized, oh, some of the things that I had advised families or maybe even um, wasn't as sensitive to when they were going through this process. I'm I'm much more aware of now yeah. because I've gone through the process myself. So it it's a level of empathy I think that you just can't replace. Oh, absolutely. There are so many pieces and I think that's the other thing. What was the hardest part for you when you were going through this? Um That's a good question. I think guilt. I think the hardest part for me was feeling guilty when I would be so burned out at work, I was working in senior living, helping people through this process. And then, you know, my father was in a memory care about 45 minutes away. And several times, I remember just, I just don't have the bandwidth, I just don't have the strength to go up there and see him. But feeling so guilty that I wasn't knowing that I you never know when the last opportunity will be. And so, you know, just, just trying to work through that mm-hmm. was, was really difficult. And I think that I certainly have helped people with that. It, it's just funny how you can, sometimes you can help people, but it's harder to help yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, harder to recognize in yourself that you, maybe you need help. You know, I know at the time there was a lot Obviously, well, this is what people do. There's a lot going on. Your parents are in a crisis. You kind of go into that survival mode. And for me, there was a lot of dependence on what to do and and decisions to be made because I worked in the industry. And so I felt that extra pressure Yeah. that, you know, I think my brother and sister felt pressure in different ways, but I felt pressure that if, what if I advise my mom and something happens or what if yeah and this is um, your job you know, <laughs> like, I felt really responsible yeah, yeah. and then what's interesting is then I would go back to work and then I would feel really responsible for everybody mm-hmm. that I was working to move into our community because I realized that much more how important it is yeah. to make sure they're making the right decision that they're not just making this out of a crisis mm-hmm. I loved my job working in a community. I would often tell people, this is why I love my job so much, because I truly don't have to push you. You know, if if this is the right community for you, that's great. But if it's not, I'm going to try to help you find or or give you a referral to a place that I think you would enjoy or help you set up home care, you know, give you information and resources that way. I love that. And I feel like most people most people in the industry and and organizations, companies, I mean, of course, of course, we want you to move into our community. It's a sales position. Yeah. But number one, it is about the human being. And it should be. It should be. It should be. It should be. And so yes, you do get pressure from, you know, hey, we want to, we want to lease eight apartments this month. But if that's not possible, you know, if, if it's not a good fit for eight people, it's not a good fit for eight people. And I just, I was never willing to compromise 
what yeah. was best for the human being and for the customer to yeah. meet sales goals. And I f- was fortunate that only in a couple cases, only in a couple of my earlier experiences that I had that pressure. And that's why I didn't stay with those companies because I just felt like, wait a minute, this should wait you. Okay. All your marketing materials is about, you know, doing what's the very best, no matter what for the senior. And this doesn't add up. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the other piece. You know, we were talking earlier about that families don't realize that it's a business. They don't realize it until, you know, they have some of those experiences where they're feeling the pressure. And that's because the person giving them the tour is feeling the pressure and their boss is feeling the pressure because these are companies. And even when it's a locally owned company, that is still a company that has overhead, that has to keep up with the cost of living increase and also make sure they have good food and (laughs) good caregivers, you know? Yeah at it as a business because they have to, but I think that's where the disconnect is, right? Because these are families and it is healthcare. And I don't know, do you think it's because insurance doesn't pay? Yes. I think that's a big part of it. I also I don't know if it's and I should and direct, I should be more specific yeah. there to to say not regular insurance. Yeah. Like regular right. insurance doesn't yeah. pay. Of course, if you have long-term, long-term insurance, care. Long-term care insurance, then that would pay. But again, that's right. a private insurance. That's a private choice that you're making. The yeah. government. <laughs> yeah. And I don't want to, yeah. And I'm yeah. not for all your listeners, don't worry. This is not a political format. But but I think that. When you go to the hospital, you have health insurance, you go to rehab, you go, that has, I think the medical industry has its own problems, but you're usually working with Medicare or another supplemental insurance. And so that pressure is not quite there in terms of a sales environment. Mm -hmm. Whereas you go into senior living and if you don't have long-term care insurance paying, then, you know, again, this, this is a privately paid industry. So do you think that's why there's so much of a a disconnect and, and just so much pressure? That's a really interesting point. I think you have a very valid point because think about it, people, especially in the case of assisted living or memory care, okay, I'm not just moving into an apartment. You know, I can understand independent living. You're not, you're not paying for any medical related services. Right. So, you know, we can say it's like moving into an apartment mm-hmm. that where you're or renting a house. Okay. People understand that. But where it is disconnected is, okay, you need assisted living. Mm-hmm. So now you're not just renting an apartment you're paying for healthcare services. Yeah. Wait a minute. Healthcare services traditionally in my life have been covered by exactly. my health insurance. And what's also problematic with that is the lack of regulation to some extent mm-hmm. where because insurance isn't involved, these communities aren't regulated by insurance companies for their payment. And so 
what we've seen happen. Well, my father, the assisted living he moved into, well, part of that service was his necessary medication passes, which he was on a plethora of medications, Mm. life-dependent medications. And in the first week, the staff missed seven medication passes. What? And oh my gosh! But but the expectation was because my mother signed up for a contract, she had to pay for she paid for those services. Like because insurance wasn't involved, she still had to pay. This is also you know another thing that started to linger in my mind as far as wait a minute, and I'm not knocking senior living communities as a whole. I mean, because there's so much good, right? Mm -hmm, Yeah. But we do recognize, I'm not naive, and I've had my own experience where what other industry can you go to? I mean, what can you go into a restaurant, order food, you don't, you aren't served the food, you get the bill, and there, and you have to pay it. Mm-hmm. But wait a minute, I didn't get my meal. Mm-hmm. I mean, that would be insane, yep. right? Yep. But it happens every single day. And I think, I think you are right. It's nice that it's not regulated, but then it's not nice because when these communities are short staffed, mm-hmm. they're in a pickle too. Yeah. I mean, they're in a bind because they have people do- that don't show up that need to be there to pass those meds. So I don't think the intent is harmful on their part. However, when you are going into a business to take care of human beings, Mm -hmm. that's a sacred trust. And there should be a level of whatever we need to do as a society, as as organizations, Mm -hmm. as corporations. I mean, as a community. um, they're called communities. Community. Yes. <laughs> They're called communities. Yes. It should be a community. But I think honestly, everything that we're talking about, I think it all points to probably the biggest, most important thing here. And that's that families have to advocate, that they yes. just have to advocate for their loved ones, that yes. it is, it is not an easy system. And, and you just, you have to, you know, when you put all these sort of pieces together and they're not together, right. But, you know, you have someone who's also afraid to speak up. You have an industry where you're getting charged for something that you didn't get. You have like all these little things going on. And, and so I think in the end, that's the most important thing is that you just have to know that the checks and balances are not always there. Right. Know your rights. I think my top things, I mean, number one, reach out to your state, you know, go to the state of whatever state you live in, senior or aging services in that state. Google that. Mm -hmm. Aging services in the state of Washington, aging services in the state of Minnesota, Missouri, whatever, wherever you are, and find those tools there. Start there because those are the people that are setting the regulation. Go from the top down and know your rights. Know your rights. Know who the people are ahead of time, who you need to call. God forbid there should be an issue. Yep. I get calls from some people that are like friends. My mom moved in this community and now they've raised the rent 15%. What can you do? 
And my first response is you need to call the state ombudsman. Yes. You know, every state, every county has an ombudsman. I need to do a show on the ombudsman. I haven't done one yet. (laughs) Yes. I'm just such a proponent advocate of these state services. Now, yeah. Are you going to be on hold sometimes? Yeah. Are they perfect? Mm. No, 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 no. But they are a really good start because if you do have problems, this is really where you go. The people who know the people who have authority to do something. Yep. If you call the executive director of the community, I'm sorry that you're, you know, that's a good first step, but you need to know who the chain of command is. Mm-hmm. The other thing is most people who move into senior living have no idea that these senior living communities aren't owned by the same people that are running them. Right. They're usually owned by an investment group or a development company yep. that they expect a return on their investment. So those very basic things that the general public needs to know. Yes for their own safety, for their own, you know, and and check out that development company, find out who these people are, who you're renting from. Yeah, you know, I think it's really important. Again, if you wait, if if you wait until you're nearing that crisis, you've already waited too long. Now, you don't have time to really methodically look at these different places to check out, even if you call a place for mom and get their help, well, then you also need to do your own private search on the the communities or the resources in your yeah. area, home care resources, because they aren't giving you all yeah. the resources because they can't, because they are only giving you the resources that are under contract with them. Yeah. It's the wild, wild west. There, there are only, I think, a handful of states, including Washington state, that even regulate what referral agents do. Personally, I think we should be licensed, yep. just like realtors. Yep. I was just going to say, you I, know what? How, how could we be, you know, and look at like realtors. It, you know, anybody can pretty much be a realtor, but you still have regulation with that. And there's mm-hmm. no checks and balances with this industry. I mean, in the state of Minnesota, no. assisted livings just became licensed independent of like they operated on a home care license and a nurse's a personal nurse's license up until 20 was 2021 oh my god you believe that it was kind of regulated like group homes are regulated but then home care so i mean it was very disjointed and and imagine at the regulatory the state level okay, there's so much gray area because the home care person's like, well, that falls under the housing with services like a hotel or a B&B. Wow. So they're looking for different things. And there was no, there was no policy in place up until two years ago. I mean, it is baffling. What's this me. even happening? You're just like, <laughs> what is going on? You know, I want to pause here because I want to say like, everything we're talking about sounds so complicated and daunting. And and that's because it is (laughs) like, it really is. But I also don't want uh, families, if you're listening in, I don't want you to be discouraged either because I tell the families that I work with, go with your gut. And, And sometimes that's just all you can do, but that is often enough. 
Like if you're in a building and you feel like you're being sold or you talk to the residents and you don't get a good vibe or you talk to the executive director and you don't, you know, I actually recently worked with a family and I felt awful because they just had a terrible experience, but based on their finances and location, this particular building was the best fit. And it ended up, you know, after a couple months that that initial bad feeling turned into, it just wasn't a good experience and they ended up moving and nobody wants to do that. Nobody wants to move more than once. They ended up moving into a building that doesn't fit their financial picture and they're going to have to move again, you know, in a a year and a half, two years. So it's like, even if you do everything (laughs) that you can to try to check every single box, sometimes you're going to miss and that's okay too. I think, yeah. you know, just going with your gut though and advocating and like you're saying, looking up the the laws and residents have rights as well. And all of those things that can feel really daunting. But I think the most important thing is knowing that that information is out there, knowing that, that, you know, you have, you have the power to say yes or no, you have that ability. Yeah. And yes, and you know, I want to circle back to something that we talked about at the beginning of the show, and and you actually just mentioned it, and that was families waiting, waiting for the crisis, and yeah. and so, what has been your experience with families that plan ahead and they're not waiting for the crisis, and how far ahead should families be planning? That's a great question. Um, I'm so glad I'm asking all these great questions today. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I, I know. I feel like, you're giving oh, me really great, questions. great oh, answers. Great You've got great I, answers. You're, you're, you're sparking a lot of really good um, <laughs> questions. I, I think there, you can never be too soon to bring up the subject. So for example, I'm 53. I, oh, I hey. know what I know. I'm almost 53. Hey, <laughs> hey girl, right? Yep. Um, we, well, I think, so with my boys, I have just shared, and obviously I haven't sat down with a, pl- a plan for them, but I have just shared things like, you know what? It's really important to me because I had a father who had early onset dementia. His mother had dementia. Hey, I want to start talking about this now and make sure that we have a plan as you age and as I age yeah. that you aren't overwhelmed with care for me should that happen and that I know that I'm going to be taken care of and that my wishes are being fulfilled. So especially yeah. in the case of a family history of dementia, I think it's really there's no, you can't start early enough having those basic conversations. You know, of course, my boys were like, they're in their 20s. Oh my gosh, mom, (laughs) we do not need to talk about this. And I was like, I know, but, but realistically paying attention to the warning signs when it's your loved one, when you're close to it, my mother, she, it's impossible for her to have known all the warning signs because she was like the frog in boiling water, just caring Mm. for him and making sure that he was okay. So it has to be the neighbors around you, the children, you know, people visiting, Mm -hmm. pay attention to when people are making little comments about, oh, 
he he was kind of funny like his he oh his hair was really disheveled that's not like him you know anything that might be out of character for someone those kind of things repeated falls Mm -hmm. isn't that the number one reason why people end up needing to change their living situation is because of repeated falls so those are things to quickly get on top of physical therapists occupational therapists are a great resource physical therapy is covered under medicare have an evaluation set up some home physical therapy so that they identify the places that might be fall risks and things like that do you think that it's actually more important for us to really get the word out about the resources because i just i feel like families just aren't going to until they have to i feel like it's just you know what i mean like it's yeah. so it's so important the work that you're doing on your show with pbs and pbs north and and you know with my podcast and and all the other educators mm-hmm. out there i just feel like families aren't going to start early. No. Okay. So you're right. maybe, maybe the, I mean, I don't yeah. know. I don't, I mean, uh, you're right though. Those, you know, they should be starting earlier. They oh. are missing out on the options if they come into it too late. And so I, I just don't know what the answer is. I, you know, maybe it is just important for the work we're doing to get the, the information out there to say, you know, here, you know, subscribe now, you know, watch now, because when you do need it, yes, <laughs> then you'll know, you know, we'll be there. Yes. <laughs> I just, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know I really either. don't. I think a little bit of both. Yeah. I think we all, it's kind of like our new year's resolutions. You know, we resolve to lose weight or to do this or to start exercising more. And we don't do it because that's human nature. So, but most important is to know okay, I, there are three gyms within five miles of me that I could join if I wanted to. And mm-hmm. th- this is what they offer. And exactly. I love that analogy. And maybe a friend will invite me to go to a class someday. <laughs> you know, I don't know. But I think this is where the show, I, I want this series to just make it a pro- the subject approachable and just mm-hmm. casually throw out there you know, hey, if one person remembers agency on aging, that's a huge yeah. resource. The Veterans Administration. There are so many people. I mean, number one, I think you and I are both doing what we're doing because we really, really care about people knowing yeah. that they are not alone, that they have Absolutely. resources, that we are here to help. And and we're just two of thousands and thousands of people who really are doing good mm-hmm. in this industry. And working hard to make sure that seniors are safe, that families go through this transition with the least amount of chaos and, yeah. you know, crisis. And we're all in this together because, frankly, if we are blessed to live a long enough life, we are going to die of something. And so let's start facing it head on. We don't have to be morbid about it. Let's start celebrating what we can do in our older years instead of, oh my gosh, this is going to happen. And then, you know, just, I already feel like I'm doing that. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Let's let's make the most out of every day. Yeah. It really is a gift. And if your podcast can bring hope 
to one person, isn't it worth it? Oh yeah. That's truly, truly how I feel as well. Absolutely. You know, I normally ask my guests their number one doable tip for families, but I would like to change that a little bit with you. I'd like to ask you in your experience working in senior living communities, what do you think is the number one thing that families need to know? We've talked about several things, but what do you think is just the number one thing they need to know about senior living communities? I think, I think the number one thing they need to know is who owns it and who manages it. Who's in charge? Find out who those people are before you sign on the dotted line. Know who you're affiliating yourself with. Because oftentimes you're just doing a tour with the community relations or the salesperson and you're not really getting contact with other people in the leadership team. I'm throwing the second thing in that I really wish that this is what I started doing in the last few years was if you are looking for senior living with any kind of healthcare services, you absolutely need to meet two people. You need to meet the head of nursing and you need to meet a caregiver, someone that is actually the hands and touch of care in that community because it's it's never a sure bet. But if you don't feel a connection and you don't feel like that person is a good fit for you, it doesn't matter how much you like me or the executive director or the activities director. You have to feel comfortable because this is your health care. This is your care. Today's episode is brought to you by Inside Senior Living, an intimate look at how families navigate senior living and care. Families share their difficult and sometimes heartbreaking decisions with viewers in hopes of helping other families like you. Find more information on this PBS North special in today's show notes. Check out this episode's doable download in show notes for details, including industry terms and definitions we discussed, as well as a bonus tip from our guest. Have questions or your own tips to share? Leave us a message. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time, make it doable. Somebody said, oh, it was my co-executive producer. He's like, I know what you're trying to do, Melissa. You're trying to be the Oprah of senior living. Like you're just trying to like <laughs> be the one that people want to go to, you know, to, to know the expert. So I don't. Uh, that is something to, to aspire to. <laughs> right. Um, shout yeah. out, shout out to Oprah. That would be amazing. <laughs> yeah. Right. Wouldn't that be, I mean, I was like, wow, that's, I mean. You know what, what, wouldn't you be curious to know what Oprah's? plan is for aging. Like, I wonder if she has a plan for aging Yeah, in place. I imagine it involves in-home care, but I'm just, you know, I, yeah. I always kind of get curious about the stars. Yeah. <laughs> like, these uber, uber wealthy. Yeah. 
there is senior living, I think for the yeah. stars actually. Um, but I don't, I don't know that for mm-hmm. sure, but I'm pretty sure there is. Um, but that's, yeah, that's interesting. I wonder if she's even thought about it because again, it's not something that people, you know, generally want to think about, 